the worst thing that we can do in our spiritual life is to harden our hearts to the word of God. It's what's called the sin of pride. Pride is, is the worst sin because pride, you don't think that you have sin when you have pride. That's why it's the worst sin because a prideful person will never confess their sins because they don't think that they have any sins. And so many people fall into pride because you say, well, I'm a good person. You know, I don't have any sins. You know, if you don't think you have any sins, ask those whom you live with. Even if they're not religious people, they will tell you your sins and your faults. If you want a, a, you know, like a good dose of humility, ask those whom you live with. They'll point out your faults and your imperfections and your sins and things that you need to work on. We all have sin. We all need to work on different areas of our life. We all have things that we need to conquer. In the spiritual life, we all have what's called a predominant fault. It's a sin that we're inclined to, maybe that we keep falling into again and again and again. And the reason for this predominant fault that God allows it is to keep us humble, to keep us going to his mercy and asking for his grace to overcome this sin. And so if you have a predominant fault, it's usually the sin that you confess all the time in the sacrament of confession, if you go to confession. That's why confession is good, because it makes you realize areas that you need to work on, but also gives you the grace and strength that you need to practice the opposite of virtue. And so pride is the worst sin. You can fall into pride in two ways. First, you can fall into pride by thinking that you just don't have any sin. And so you don't go to church. You don't go to the sacraments. You don't pray. You just live a worldly life. And yet people think that they're going to go right to heaven. And God is going to say, did you do anything for, for the kingdom of God? See that? You will have to answer at the end of your life. But then there's another pride that can enter with very religious people that do go to church, you know, that, that are trying, but they fall into pride because they're constantly judging others. They fall into judgment. They fall into criticism. They exalt themselves above others. They think that they're better than others. This is what the Pharisees fell into. And so they never look into their hearts because they're full of envy. They're full of pride. They're full of judgment of others. And so they never advance because they never look inside themselves and humble themselves. So we need to always avoid pride. Always. Any chance that you get to humble yourself before God or others, do it. If someone tells you a fault, say amen. Thank you for pointing that out. Now, if you notice a fault, because I'm on you know, YouTube right now, you notice a fault, amen, thank you. I need it. See that? So we should never be afraid to be corrected. Always be humble. Always take advantages of humility. 
Not humiliation. There's a difference between humiliation and humility. Humility. Knowing that you need God at every moment of your life to just advance. You need his grace to help you. You need his grace in your relationships, in your marriage, or with your children, or if you're a child, with your parents, or with your siblings, or with your coworkers, or with you know, your classmates, if you're young, or with your friends, or with your enemies. You need God's grace all the time. And so humility is one of the greatest virtues, but it's the first virtue. It's the first virtue by which all virtues grow from that. There was one time in St. Faustina's life, the child Jesus appeared to St. Faustina. And he said, true greatness of the soul lies in loving God and in humility. And the Blessed Mother appeared to St. Faustina and said the same exact words. True greatness of the soul lies in loving God and in humility. If you want to aspire to true greatness of the soul, you need to humble yourself and then just love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. That's what we're trying to do at Mass is loving God. And who's a great example? The, the saints are great examples. Who's a great example? My sister, St. Therese. Little St. Therese. Great example of what it means to be humble. Great example of what it means to love God, to have total confidence in God. That's why she's so popular. She wasn't a martyr during her life. She didn't have great mystical visions of God. She didn't, she didn't do harsh penances and fasting like we would see the saints. She didn't like stay up all night and pray and do vigils. She wasn't able to do that. So she says at the beginning of her diary that she, she loved flowers. She absolutely loved flowers. She loved nature. And she would look out into a field and she would see flowers. She would see all different types and kinds of flowers. She would see the roses with their thorns and their beauty and the daisies and, you know, and, and so on. But then she noticed that there were these little flowers. You could barely see them, like this. They were like purple or yellow. But there were many of them. Then there was more of these little flowers than there were of these big flowers. And she saw that as the Holy Spirit speaking to her about the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God consists of all these different flowers. And there are some that are like roses, like the martyrs, that give their lives for God that are great. And then, and then there's others of different shapes and sizes. But she noticed that there were these little ones. They were barely recognizable, but there were many of them. They were, they were numerous, these little flowers. And she said to herself, ah, that's where I belong in the church. That's where I belong. Not a rose, but a little one, a little flower. And so she said, I'm going to remain as a little flower. That's my place in the church. See that? She accepted her place of how God had created her, how God had created her personality. And she noticed that 
there were many of these little flowers. And so she said, you know, I'm going to speak to these little flowers. Now, it was only out of obedience that she wrote her, the diary of her life and these reflections of her life. But she had a spirituality called the little way. And the little way was you humble yourself at each point of your life and you accept whatever God gives you. So it's what we call passive suffering. So there's active suffering in which you could choose to do something for God. Okay, and that's good. Like you could choose to fast and choose to give up coffee or smoking or alcohol or whatever it may be, or TV or internet. You could give up, you could give up to YouTube for a day. You won't see me, you know, at this mass. And you could do that. Or you could accept whatever God sends you. So annoyances, contradictions, people that get on your nerves, imperfections with yourself. You can accept them all for the love of God. One time when Therese was sick, she had to take medicine. And the medicine tasted really bad. It was the liquid medicine. And so Celine gave her the medicine, Celine, her, her sister. And Therese kept it in her mouth. And Celine said, quick, swallow it. And Therese said, no, I want to keep it in my mouth to offer it up to God, to offer up this really bad tasting medicine to God. See that? A little way of dying to herself. And that's what she did during her her whole life. She kept dying to herself. And as she kept dying to herself, then God kept lifting her up. She had weaknesses in her life. So one weakness, you're going to laugh at this one. Because a lot of people go through this. So every day the sisters would have common meditation for like an hour. And they would, they would just sit in the church. Can you imagine this? You sit in the church, and they're just there sitting in the pew, looking at the Blessed Sacrament for like an hour in complete silence. And it was early in the morning. I forget what time they did their meditation. It was like 5.30, 6 a.m. So, uh, of course, how many of you would fall asleep? I would. And so Therese, every day, Guess what she would do? Guess how great her meditation was. Guess, guess how many insights that the Lord gave her during her meditation. She would fall asleep every single day. She would be, <sniffs> fall asleep every single day during meditation. And one time, one of her religious sisters came out. She was annoyed. Because maybe Therese was snoring. Who knows? Maybe she was drooling. And you see all kinds of things when people fall asleep in meditation. And one of her sisters, she was a religious sister, she was annoyed at Therese. She said, Sister Therese, she said, you fall asleep during meditation every day. You know, like, why can't you just stay awake? You know what Therese said to her? She said, well, what do you want from a child? What do you want from a child? And later she, she would say it, do, it did not bother her falling asleep during meditation. She said because children fall asleep often before their parents when their parents read to them in bed. But the parent 
still loves the child even more when the child falls asleep. So how much more would the great God love us even if we fall asleep in his presence? She had humility, but with humility, she had another virtue, confidence. Confidence. The, the word confidence, when, when you look it up, it comes from the word faith. Faith. In another language, they have like, in the divine mercy image, in, in like Spanish, they say confio. They don't say trust. Confio. You know, confio is, is the word for faith. The word for trust that we have in English is still the word for faith. So how do you have this unlimited confidence in God? With it, Therese had an image one day, and, and it was when she, when she went to Paris. And she noticed that they had just invented the elevator. Isn't that a great invention, the elevator? You don't have to go up flights of steps. Can, can you imagine going up the, the new World Trade Center tower? And can you imagine walking up in steps or the Empire State Building? You have to walk up. Aren't you glad for the elevator? It just takes you right up there to the top floor, and then you get to see the world. It's marvelous. And so she was fascinated by this invention, the elevator. And the Holy Spirit gave her an insight. She said, my elevator, she said, I'm too little and too weak to walk the great stairway of perfection. So I'm not like other saints not like the martyrs. I can't do them. Too, my legs are too small. She was five foot four. Guess what size I am? Five foot four. We're the same height. That's why I love Therese. So we're too small. And I do admit it. You got small legs. It's tough. You, you do more work trying to walk up steps and do things. You have more steps to walk. And so she said, she said, no, I'm not going to take the great stairway of perfection. I'm going to take a shortcut. Don't you like shortcuts? And she said, my shortcut's the elevator. I'm going to take the elevator up to heaven. And she said, the elevator is nothing less than the arms of Jesus Christ. And so she said, I'm going to be like a little child and just place myself in the arms of Jesus Christ. He's my elevator and he's going to carry me up to heaven. That's confidence. That's not looking at yourself and your imperfections and your sins and your faults and your failings, but rather keeping your eyes on Jesus, like we have the divine mercy image here. Keep your eyes on the divine mercy image. Keep your eyes on Jesus, because it's only Jesus who's going to carry you to heaven with his mercy. You can't get to heaven on your own, only with God's grace and mercy. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let, allow him to carry you. So if you're too weak, too imperfect to get to heaven, allow Jesus to carry you with his love and mercy and to heaven. That's Teresa's spirituality. So it's a spirituality of not focusing on herself, not focusing too much on our imperfections, to having total confidence in God and offering everything as a little sacrifice to God. She even said that it's the love that makes the sacrifice, not the sacrifice itself. So she said, if I did a little deed and I were to reach down 
and pick up a piece of paper. That would be nothing. She said, but if I were to pick up the piece of paper and have the intention out of love for Jesus, and I picked up the paper out of love for Jesus, she said that act, that small act, would have infinite value in God's eyes because of the intention, because of the love with which it's done. She then had a practice when she was, she was um, not the novice mistress, but kind of like assistant novice mistress. So she was working with the novices in formation in her religious community in the Carmelite. And every night they, they would do this practice. It was really funny. They would do this practice. So she and the other sisters, they, they would have flowers like we do around the altar. And they would, you know, the flowers would go bad. And so they would pick the bad flowers and they would gather them. They would gather these flowers into a basket. And there was a crucifix out in the courtyard. And so Therese, she would take the novices out every night and she would give the novices these roses in their hands. And novices and Therese, they would take these roses and she, and she would say to the novices, okay, on three, we're gonna throw these roses up to the crucifix and give them to Jesus. And so they would take the roses and she would go one, two, three, and they would throw up the roses to Jesus and would hit the crucifix and come down. A little act. You may think, well, that's stupid. Why, why, why would she do that? See, if we just see the surface. But St. Therese explained later what that means. She's a doctor of the church. She said, if you take a rose and throw it to a crucifix, that act means nothing in itself. It's a small little act. But she said, what makes the act special is that when the rose hits Jesus, the body of Jesus, it's hitting divinity. It's touching divinity. And as soon as that rose touches divinity, touches the cross, the rose changes because now it's in contact with the divine. And so God makes something secular sacred. And because it touches the crucifix, it then God sends it back down to earth, to us, and it's changed. Do you see that confidence? Whatever you give to God, God exalts. God makes it better, even if it's the smallest little act. And that's why Therese, toward the end of her life, said, I will remember you. She said, I will let fall from heaven a shower of roses. So many people, when they pray to St. Therese, they receive a rose that she has answered their prayer. And so pray to this little saint, but great saint of St. Therese. She's here in the National Shrine. She wanted to be in the National Shrine, I can tell you that, because we're not Carmelites or anything. She kind of snuck her way here into the National Shrine. And years ago, I, I was praying for a relic of St. Therese because I have such a great devotion in St. Therese. And one day, a pilgrim appeared. She wanted to meet with me in my office. 
and she pulled out a relic of St. Therese. And she said, Father, I was at one of the Marian priests gave a mission. And she said, I've had this relic of St. Therese. She said, I had the papers. And she said, she said, God, I was praying, and God wanted me to give this to you. And so, I, of course, I was objecting at first, but then I was like, I was, and then another side of me was saying, don't object, come on, accept it. And so I accepted it, and I knew it was for the National Shrine. So we, in 2020, when we renovated the shrine, we put a relic of St. Therese here in the St. Joseph's Chapel to my right. So you can also venerate the relic of St. Therese here at the National Shrine. She wanted her relic to be here also, all the way from France. She traveled all the way from the Sioux, France, somehow this bone, and it wound up here. But that's sometimes God's providence. Be humble, be little, but also be confident in Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings us salvation. Pray many times during the day, especially when you have trials and crosses and tribulations. Jesus, I trust in you. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keeping It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.